glad to be here. I'm just glad to be back playing. I'm, I'm grateful to have a job because times are hard right now with, uh, you know, the situation of the people. So, and, and, you know, just glad to be able to use this job to, to fight and advocate and do different things. So I'm, I'm truly happy to be back. That's Angel McCautry, the number one pick in the 2009 WNBA draft, the 2009 WNBA Rookie of the Year, six-time All-WNBA First Team member, five-time All-Star, and two-time Olympic gold medalist. McCautry's 2018 season was cut short because of a knee injury, and she missed all but a few seconds of 2019. After making it to the finals a few times with the Dream, but failing to win a championship, she signed with the Las Vegas Aces in this year's free agency, perhaps in a last chance bid to win a title to go with her other medals, awards, and accolades. You are listening to The Hard Screen. I'm your host, Tamarin Sproul. When I hopped on the ACES Media Day Zoom call on Saturday, I first asked McCautry about her health and her feelings heading into the 2020 season. That's what you just heard her speaking to. Next, I got to my real reason for being on the call. To ask McCautry, whose name will always be synonymous with the Atlanta Dream, this important question. When drafted by the Dream in 2009, what was your understanding of the vision of the dream name? And do you believe co-owner Kelly Loeffler accurately reflects the team's intended vision? By now, you've probably read McCautry's answer to my question presented as a completed article elsewhere. When I asked the question, though, it was with the intention of conducting a thorough examination into the original vision of the WNBA's Atlanta Dream, a vision which sprouted from the seeds of the civil rights movement of the 1960s, with McCautry being the quintessential dream star even after leaving the team, I felt her insights into this topic would be profound. What was the second question? Uh, the second question is... The backstory, my question, and Angel's answer to my question, plus much, much more, right after this. Uh, the second question is, when you were drafted by the Dream in 2009, what was your vision of the Dream um, and the, the meaning of the team name? And do you feel like Kelly Loeffler accurately, accurately reflects what the original vision of the team was? Yeah, when I first got drafted, um, my goal was, of course, to retire in Atlanta and play and we're in the, the city where, you know, Martin Luther King originated, you know, and it's a very predominantly black city. So, um, you know, things change, of course, but 
as far as Kelly is concerned, I think that um, right now she has not reflected um, what the DREAM logo stands for. Um, I think that if she really did have a problem with LGBTQ or Black Lives Matter, I don't think she would have had us players in her home. Um, why do you own a WNT? team? So it's definitely a catch-22. I just think that my personal opinion is that she has to play the political game to look good in front of um, you know, her peers. Okay, if you do that. If you want to play a political game, do that, but don't include us in it. So that's where I'm at with it. Leave it, leave us out of it, you know? Politics over there, when we talking about social injustice and things, that's not politics. You know, that's human rights. So I don't even know why she's mixing the two. You know what I mean? So we'll see what happens with that situation. But hey, Kelly, you need help. Blink twice. Some may arrive at the conclusion that Loeffler, a Trump devotee, is using her privilege as a wealthy white politician and a transaction for political gain at the player's expense. She is using the power white supremacist structures have afforded her to take something for herself at the expense of players enduring the hardship of playing in a sequestered, swampy, critter-ridden Florida, unable to leave, while also experiencing personal reckonings with the state of the nation due to what McCautry on Saturday referred to as a pandemic of racism to go along with the coronavirus pandemic which is why they are sequestered in Florida. So here's the backstory. Following the brutal murder of George Floyd by police, players in the WNBA jumped into action, marching with their fellow citizens who were tired of black lives being treated as worthless, with some opting out of the season to pursue social justice work outside of the sequestered IMG Academy in Bradenton, Florida, where the 2020 season will take place. Those who found the coronavirus protocols to be sufficient enough to play in Florida, a COVID-19 hotspot, wanted the league to work with them on plans to dedicate the season towards social justice. WNBA Commissioner Kathy Engelbert agreed and announced the league's embrace of ideas to emblazon the courts with Black Lives Matter, to proceed with Angel McCautry's idea to put the names of African-Americans killed by police onto the backs of jerseys, along with the Say Her Name hashtag, an idea that has been co-opted by the NBA, but was McCautry's brainchild. She even created a change.org petition to garner public support and to gain the leverage of fans. Atlanta Dream co-owner Kelly Loeffler, whose politics came to the forefront when she accepted a Senate appointment in 2019, spoke vehemently against the WNBA's choice to embrace Black Lives Matter. And in a letter to Commissioner Engelbert, stated, quote, I adamantly oppose the Black Lives Matter political movement, which has advocated for the defunding of police, called for the removal of Jesus from churches, and the disruption of the nuclear family structure, harbored anti-Semitic views, and promoted violence and destruction across the country. I believe it is totally misaligned with the values and goals of the WNBA and the Atlanta Dream, where we support tolerance and inclusion. 
The players have since called for Loeffler's removal as co-owner of the Dream, and Commissioner Engelbert says she will not force Loeffler to sell her ownership stake in the team. For the record, of its purpose, Black Lives Matter states on its website, Black Lives Matter began as a call to action and a response to state-sanctioned violence and anti-black racism. Our intention from the very beginning was to connect black people from all over the world who have a shared desire for justice to act together in their communities. The impetus for that commitment was, and still is, the rampant and deliberate violence inflicted on us by the state. End quote. After Loeffler issued statements condemning Black Lives Matter, the players called for her removal as owner. But Kathy Engelbert, commissioner of the WNBA, says she will not force Loeffler to sell her ownership stake in the team. But no matter what happens with Loeffler's ownership stake in the dream, her views on peaceful protests do not jibe with the original vision for the dream. How do I know? Because Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr.'s I Have a Dream speech tells me so. For starters, her views run antithetical to the dream, the WNBA's dream since its founding, and to Dr. King's. The ownership group and league agreed on dream as the Atlanta team's name in 2007 to honor the civil rights legacy of Dr. Reverend Martin Luther King Jr., whose fight for racial justice began in the city's Ebenezer Baptist Church, founded in 1886 and declared a National Historic Site in 1980. This is the church where Dr. King was baptized as a baby. It is where he served as a co-pastor under his father as an adult. It also is where he was laid to rest following his assassination in 1968. The dream's history from conception is tied to the ideals of Dr. King. The WNBA knows this, and the Atlanta Dream stated in a 2019 press release of its rebranding efforts, the rising phoenix symbolizes the city's rise from the ashes of the Civil War to become a world city. The shooting star ties the dream back to its roots and is prominent within the formal logo. Finally, the basketball represents the game we pour everything we have into each day. But nowhere is the team meaning more profound, more pronounced, than in a branding video the team released around the same time last year, which includes the following audibles against a backdrop of images of players, the city of Atlanta, and yes, Dr. King. Some call it the city of dreamers, and it is. But we don't just dream, we get it done. This city rose like a phoenix from the ashes, creating a convergence of black and white, grit and grace, perseverance and new beginnings. We built the busiest airport in the world, hosted the Centennial Olympics, and ignited civil rights. 
Atlanta's WNBA team was named Dream in honor of the speech Dr. King gave at the 1963 March on Washington. We know it today as King's I Have a Dream speech, which too often is boiled to a reduction of lofty ideals concerning the pursuit of goals or inspiration for hope rather than for what it is, a searing condemnation of the nation's racist history and a stern demand for equal rights for all. King marched on Washington to collect on the promise of life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. A great American in whose symbolic shadow we stand today signed the Emancipation Proclamation. This momentous decree came as a great beacon light of hope to millions of Negro slaves who had been seared in the flames of withering injustice. It came as a joyous daybreak to end the long night of their captivity. But 100 years later, the Negro still is not free. 100 years later, the life of the Negro is still sadly crippled by the manacles of segregation and the chains of discrimination. 100 years later, the Negro lives on a lonely island of poverty in the midst of a vast ocean of material prosperity. 100 years later, the Negro is still languished in the corners of American society and finds himself in exile in his own land. And so we've come here today to dramatize a shameful condition in a sense, we've come to our nation's capital to cash a check. When the architects of our republic wrote the magnificent words of the Constitution and the Declaration of Independence, they were signing a promissory note to which every American was to fall heir. This note was a promise that all men yes, black men as well as white men, would be guaranteed the unalienable rights of life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. It is obvious today that America has defaulted on this promissory note insofar as her citizens of color are concerned. Instead of honoring this sacred obligation, America has given the Negro people a bad check, a check which has come back marked insufficient funds. He stated before the world the historic dehumanizing treatment of black Americans and demanded the opposite, including calling for an end to police brutality. We have also come to this hallowed spot 
to remind America of the fierce urgency of now. This is no time to engage in the luxury of cooling off or to take the tranquilizing drug of gradualism. Now is the time to make real the promises of democracy. Now is the time to rise from the dark and desolate valley of segregation to the sunlit path of racial justice. Now is the time to lift our nation from the quicksands of racial injustice to the solid rock of brotherhood. Now is the time to make justice a reality for all of God's children. It would be fatal for the nation to overlook the urgency of the moment. This sweltering summit of the Negro's legitimate discontent will not pass until that is an invigorating autumn of freedom and equality. 1963 is not an end, but a beginning. Those who hope that the Negro needed to blow off steam and will now be content will have a rude awakening if the nation returns to business as usual. There will be neither rest nor tranquility in America until the Negro has granted his citizenship rights. The whirlwinds of revolt will continue to shake the foundations of our nation until the bright day of justice emerges. We cannot turn back. There are those who are asking the devotees of civil rights, when will you be satisfied? We can never be satisfied as long as the Negro is the victim of the unspeakable horrors of police brutality. We can never be satisfied. As long as our body is heavy with the fatigue of travel, cannot gain lodging in the motels of the highways and the hotels of the city. We cannot be satisfied as long as a Negro in Mississippi cannot vote and a Negro in New York believes he has nothing for which to vote. No, no, we are not satisfied and we will not be satisfied until justice rolls down like waters and righteousness like a mighty stream. When Kelly Loeffler was appointed to the U.S. Senate in late 2019, the WNBA appeared to have adopted an approach of keeping the freshman senator's political dealings separate from the league's affairs. On draft day in April, for example, Commissioner Engelbert referred me to Loeffler's Senate office when I inquired during a press conference about the insider trading allegations against Loeffler. 
When the players began demanding that Loeffler sell her ownership stake in the team, Engelbert stated that the WNBA will not force her to do so, but also stood with the players in being devoted to social justice. Loeffler, however, has failed to separate her political ambitions from her role as team co-owner. It seems the opportunity to politicize the 2020 WNBA season for her political gain was just too tempting. Thank you for listening to The Hard Screen. This episode was produced by me, Tamarin Sproul, with tech assistance from Ms. Evan Cooper. Show theme was composed by me. If you're not already following us on Twitter, get on that, at HardScreenPod, and visit thehardscreen.net to sign up for our free, periodically disseminated mailings or to subscribe to our monthly newsletter where you will find full reporting, full written reporting on which these podcast episodes are based. Later during the ACES Media Day Zoom call on Saturday, the journalist who reported McCautry's comments to my initial question asked a follow-up. McCautry's further comments are definitely worth including here. Take a listen. Michelle, did you have one more? Am I allowed to ask another one? I'll go. Yeah, I, if I if I have time to ask another one, I will. Angel. Yeah, go ahead, oh, Michelle. Thank you. <laughs> I appreciate it. Um, with the you know with with what Tamron was asking earlier in terms of um, what it what it means and what Doug was asking what it means with the jersey. In general, what does this season mean to you? Because what you guys are doing going into the the bubble is obviously, I mean, a sacrifice in certain ways, but it seems like the, you know, the social justice aspect of this is a big part of why people wanted to do it. What is it going to mean to you to have been part of this season beyond just the basketball part? Yeah, well, first let me say, whoever wins the championship this season in 2020, men or women, I'm going to commend you because this is going to be the hardest championship anybody's ever won. It's so many distractions out here, so much going on in the world. We're fighting two pandemics. We're stuck in a bubble where you can mentally just be like, oh, get me out of here. Um, so this is going to be the hardest championship anybody's won, number one. Number two, I think this season is, is special because the world has picked up on um, what the Black community has been preaching about for so long, for social justice. It's always been there. And we've always played through it, but now we've caught everybody's attention. You know, people weren't as busy. They weren't maybe weren't um, working or they were home. They could see the things because now racism is getting filmed. They, they were able to see it and they're like, oh my God. So now this is our chance because we, we wore, I can't breach those before, you know, there was no, you know, there was no issue with that. And of course, Kelly had nothing to say about that during that time, but um, this is a special season because now we've caught everybody's attention to try to make change. We want change, not just uh, for our league and for, for people in different com- certain communities, but we want a change for our nation. I don't want to go and look online and see that I live in the top three racist countries in the world. I don't want to go and travel to Africa and I say, 
hey, you ever want to come say, oh, no, 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 I don't want to get shot. This is an embarrassment to our nation that this is what people see, you know? So, I mean, it's just, it's more so fighting for more than, more than the names and, and the social, it's just fighting for our nation. We have to sweep a lot of things clean. We're, we're right now, we're, we're not leading by example to the world. We, we, we just look very, very bad right now. About, with, this is everything. So it's, 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 it's deeper. And I'm hoping that we can continue to lead by example because people like LeBron James, we need people like Serena Williams to, to advocate and show like, hey, we have a lot to do in our, in our country, so in our nation. So um, that's what it's all about, really. Until next time. But hey, Kelly, you need help. Blink twice. <laughs>